I would say one other aspect that's really important is don't be afraid to go out and learn from others in this space. So customer success is a relatively new field and there are so many people out there who are, who have experience, who do things a certain way because of, you know, the service or product that they offer, but they have nuggets of brilliance that they can share with you. And I've found the customer success community to be incredibly helpful and forthcoming with kind of sharing information. And it's, you know, really important that you, you do that because if you try to solve these problems on your own without actually having conversations with peers, you know, in different industries and in similar industries, et cetera, then I think you're going to fall flat on your face. It's really, this is one of these places where you really want to do, you know, check, validate whether the things you're doing are, you know, the right things, learn on things that you can do to evolve the program. And uh, that goes beyond just connecting with peers, but attending webinars and reading books. And it really helps you evolve as a true customer success professional. It's really important. Welcome to CX Insights, the show where customer experience leaders and experts share expertise and insights to help all of us up-level our CX game. Brought to you by cxcommunity.org. Also known as CXC, cxcommunity.org is the world's largest community of technical CX professionals. At CXC, customer experience professionals share, connect, and learn from each other about CX platforms ranging from Adobe, Microsoft, ServiceNow to Zendesk, and many others. Become a member for free by subscribing at cxcommunity.org. As we dive into today's episode, we would appreciate it if you could like, comment, and share this show with your colleagues and friends. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Our guest for today's episode is Phil Gravel. Phil is the Vice President of Professional Services and Customer Success at Profix. Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks, Abhijit. Good to chat with you. Yeah, likewise. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself, Phil. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, I'm the VP of Services and Customer Success at Profix Software. I've been with the company for a little over eight years now and come from a finance background and a consulting background, to, to be frank. I dove into the world of customer success about six years ago and really have sort of enjoyed kind of leading the efforts on building our program at Profix and, you know, and connecting with others in the field and, and really learning a whole lot about what customer success is all about. So I'm excited to, to be here and kind of share what I've learned over these past six years with you. Awesome. And Profix is, are you guys looking at sort of the financial function for a lot of customers? Tell us a little bit about Profix. Sure. Yeah. We're uh, what you call a corporate performance management uh, software. So we're in the space CPM, some call it EPM, enterprise performance management. So really to kind of distill it down to uh, make it easy to understand for the listeners. Uh, we do reporting. So a lot of ERP software uh, vendors don't have uh, robust reporting capabilities. So we're sort of a, you know, we connect into the ERP and, and offer a flexible reporting tool. And then our bread and butter really is around uh, planning. So we're uh, kind of a multi-user uh, budgeting and forecasting application. We automate a lot of the things that companies struggle with in terms of kind of preparing their budget for multi-user participation, you know, building the Excel spreadsheets and sending them out and collecting them and consolidating them. So, so Profix is an application that really helps with all of those functions. And then, you know, kind of to kind of round out the solution set, we also 
you know, offer dashboarding capabilities so that you can kind of see your data and in, in those uh, pretty visuals as well as financial consolidation. Yeah, it makes sense. And you guys are obviously handling a lot of really important, sensitive data for your customers. And are you guys doing that across like customer segments? Do you guys have like large enterprise, mid-market SMB, or are you guys focused on some particular segments there? Yeah, I would say kind of our, our sweet spot, you know, in terms of companies who have these sort of departments set up this way where they have multi-users and a lot of collaboration across the budget budget process and planning processes, et cetera, are in kind of the upper mid-market. So we often say we're in the mid-market, so companies within kind of the 500 million to one or two billion sort of annual revenues is kind of our sweet spot. That's where a, a majority of our customers are, are from, but we can also, you know, we also have customers in the sort of upper enterprise space as well as in the lower mid-market as well. So. Got it. Okay. And, and do you guys like focus on particular industries or is it across the spectrum, like manufacturing, tech, healthcare, et cetera? We have hundreds of customers in almost every industry. We haven't, we've historically kind of worked with any company from any industry because our, our software is relatively flexible to use from that standpoint. We have partnered with some some key kind of construction ERP vendors over the, the past couple of years and have found a niche there, but we continue to service the general CPM space, the general kind of, yeah. Yeah. And so as, as you look at your customers and you've been with Profix for some time and you've seen the evolution of customer success and you also lead professional services. Mm -hmm. um, how have you guys been scaling customer success in the sense that have you guys built a ton of automation around this? Like how have you considered scaling and what's been the sort of the thought process of scaling customer success? Yeah. So customer success was something that didn't exist formally about five years ago or six years ago at Profix. And we kind of like many, many companies who have been who have sort of a longer term, have been around longer term. We had an on-prem, we have an on-prem product and, and we still have, you know, a, a significant amount of customers who are on that particular solution. And then we trans transitioned into offering a cloud version about five years ago. And so we really saw the writing on the wall in terms of needing to build up the customer success program in terms of kind of, to answer your question around scaling, you know, what we decided to do in the early days of the customer success program was start trying to gather and, and collect customer intelligence. And so because we were at that time predominantly an on-prem product, it was hard to get customer intelligence. So we started kind of, you know, modifying how we do reach outs and surveys and wh what types, what types of, what types of systems we use to collect data during you know, conversations, phone conversations at conferences, during customer events, those kind of things. And how do we store that information? How do we use that information to help us understand, you know, what makes our product sticky? How do we can better engage with customers? How do we increase adoption? Those kind of things. What type of programs do we need to put in place to, you know, ensure that our customers are successful and they continue to, to kind of renew year after year? It, you know, it was in a way it was easier in the on-prem world because you make that big investment up front, and then to pay the annual maintenance fees, it's, 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 you know, a very low percentage of the overall spend. And so, you know, it was easy and our customers were really loyal. We have a great 
customer base who are, are very loyal. And then in the cloud world, it's a little bit different, right? So you're, you're constantly having to demonstrate, you know, value. And so, you know, early days, it was, it was a lot of that. And then as we've sort of progressed, we've, you know, added headcount, we've invested in technology to help us with, with the CS platform and advocacy platform and a few other tools that have helped us scale. And then we're always kind of reinventing how we segment our customers, what type of approach we take, who, what, you know, how do we tier the customer base in terms of who gets a dedicated CSM versus who may, may benefit from tech touch type reach outs, et cetera. So. Very cool. And so mm -hmm. it sounds like you've been, your team has been through quite the journey in terms of going from a on-prem to a SaaS sort of a multi-tenant model, cloud delivered, et cetera. And with that comes its own set of challenges to scale up and automate and put mm -hmm. the right platforms in place, right? And so yeah. it, sounds, it sounds, so tell us a little bit about the platforms we put in place, maybe any of the CS platforms, and also what type of integrations have you done? Are, are you guys integrating with your CRM? Have you guys run some sort of integrations around product analytics where you're pulling in product analytics into your customer success stack? Tell us kind of how is all of that working? Yeah, that's been a long journey for sure. One of the things we did, I, I think you, you and I have had conversations on this in the past, but you know, customer success is often uh, underappreciated in terms of, you know, how do you get funding, et cetera. And so early on, one of the things we had to do was, was allocate resources accordingly. And, and because our software, as I mentioned, our software is quite flexible. We were actually able to use our software at the beginning to consolidate all the information that we were pulling out of our CRM and out of our other applications, our, our support application, as an example, but even our marketing automation. And we didn't have a, a ton of customers on the cloud on the SaaS offering yet. And so kind of using the usage data at that time wasn't that relevant because we were focusing a lot of our efforts on the on-prem customer base. So it was more about actually putting all of the information in a, in a single place and then using that to kind of identify or highlight any kind of churn risks or anything like that. And so we did that for a little while. It was better than, you know, using spreadsheets and better than you know, actually asking our CSMs to go into 10 different platforms before they have a call with our customers or before they have a reach out. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a job in itself, <laughs> like just go to 10 different places, pull the information. Yeah. What the, support uh, tickets do you have? How many do you have? What are the outstanding issues? You know, are you, are you actually, you know, opening the emails that we're sending you on some of the educational content we offer and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So doing that, using profits to do that was helpful, but it's not ours, you know, it's not really our, our sweet spot, right? I mentioned kind of what our software is really good at. Yeah. And so we, we did finally invest in a CS platform when it, when we had, I think more customers in, in the SaaS offering. And so the usage data became even more important and, you know, con compiling the two uh, sets of data together to then even kind of automate some of the reach out efforts, right? So we invested in Churn Zero as a platform and it's really helped the CSMs, you know, from a, from a scaling standpoint, it was, it was a good, good investments. We, we, good investment. We rolled it out. We've been kind of using it for, for the past eight, 
months or so. Uh, and I found some significant benefits in, in being able to do that and being able to fo target and focus efforts from our CS team, as well as kind of standardizing what approach you take when certain risks do get flagged, et cetera. Yeah. And so it sounds like you've transitioned from using, you know, profits for some of this. And then as you guys got into the cloud, you looked at deploying the CS platform and then connecting it with the product telemetry and pulling in all these data sets. Is right. there in your CS tech, is there like an uncommon tool, like something that you don't know if a lot of people are using, but you're using that in your stack. Is there, are there tools like that in your stack? Yeah, I'm not sure how prevalent this is, but we use an advocacy uh, platform as well. So one of the things we invested on about three years ago was uh, we have kind of a rewards program where if customers three to, you know, four, four years ago, we would reward our customers, you know, for their loyalty and for doing things like case studies with our marketing team or, you know, participating in reference calls or offering referrals, those kind of things. And we wanted to expand that. And so we invested in it with a company called Influitive to build out an advocacy platform. It's called the red, red carpet program. And so now we have thousands of customers who are in this platform and we're able to do a lot more than just, you know, do case studies and reference calls and referrals. Now we're able to actually put content in there that help our customers, you know, get more value out of their investment with us, learn about unique uses of the software, connect with other customers. We have a thriving community there where customers can connect with each other in similar industries and in similar uh, geographic locations, which is even more important in these times because you can't meet in person or it's much harder to meet in person. And so yeah, it's been, it's been highly successful. And I think it's a, just a kind of a value add component of what we offer from a success standpoint to our customers. And, and in a lot of companies will have that sort of tool or that function rely in marketing. And we've actually kept it in customer success because we think it's a customer success first application in a, in a lot of ways. So maybe different than a lot of the listeners today. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's super interesting. And I love that angle you guys are taking and to deploy mm -hmm. a customer advocacy tool mm -hmm. that quite frankly, you know, pays for itself many times over just because you can drive a lot of customer references and quite frankly, also help you to build your company's brand mm -hmm. and have a true 360 around your CX. That's super cool. You know, one of, one of the things we talked about in the past was around sort of taking the next step in the CS journey around monetization. And, you know, it's, it's an often hotly debated topic in customer success circles. Like there's always this camp of saying, Hey, let's not monetize customer success. We're really about all about creating value for the customer. There's another camp about, Hey, we should monetize. And it sets up the right sort of the operating model within the company for customer success. And, you know, there's no right or wrong answer here, but just interesting this tell us sort of kind of what led you to the path of choosing this? Why did you choose monetizing customer success? And then, you know, would love to kind of chat about it a little bit. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great topic. And like you said, it's hotly debated and you can kind of see arguments on both sides. I'll tell you why we went that route and hopefully it'll help some of the listeners. Yeah. One of the reasons is I didn't kind of mention this, but we're, you know, we're self-funded 
organization, right? So every dollar spent reinvested into the business gets scrutinized and, and there is a decision to be made on how it gets spent, right? Do we spend it in research and innovation? Do we spend it in sales and marketing? Do we spend it in customer success, right? So you're, you're constantly kind of battling that. And one of the ways that you can you get those investments is to turn yourself in from a cost center into a profit center, right? So mm -hmm. that was, that was definitely, you know, part of the decision-making process. I, I, early on, I connected with a lot of peers and did a lot of attending webinars and, and reading on customer success. When I went from kind of the finance world into the customer success world, I heard I had an event somewhere that you should not uh, feel bad about charging for the service that you provide. And so if you think back to kind of professional services years and years ago, there may have been a stigma in charging for that. And now it's no question customers see value in, in consulting and getting the right skill set and, and experience to help you implement uh, software or get help on other fronts. And so it's, it's no different, in my opinion, from a customer success standpoint. So it was to help with funding. And, and I, I didn't, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was important to do this because I think there are the, the customer profile out there who does already see the value in these type of offerings and, and who can, you know, appreciate it and would gladly pay for it. So what we did is, as I was talking about kind of collecting data elements and figuring out why customers were churning when they were churning, et cetera, we realized there were some really key themes that we, we found, right? So if customers were engaged with, with us, they were, you know, doing some of our online training or in-person training, if they were attending our conferences or events that we would hold, if they were actually doing consulting engagements, you know, frequently. So they were building upon their initial project that they had with us and building on their vision. Those were recipes for success. And, and, and so what we tried to do is actually build out a subscription offering that kind of gave customers the ability to do all of these things using their subscription. And so it became, you know, it, it was like we offered an annual subscription or a monthly subscription to a service that gave you all of these things. And some customers value a certain element of it, other customers value another element. We know that if customers, we, we priced it, you know, accordingly because we want our customers to actually adopt the program because we know it, it's, a, it's a leading indicator of future success with us as well. And so we didn't price it Hey, I'm sure you're enjoying this episode of CX Insights. Here's a quick word from one of our sponsors, Enterprise CX. Enterprise CX is helping some of the world's leading brands to manage their digital customer experience across the life cycle. Whether it's implementing Adobe technologies for acquiring customers or managing customer success platforms for retaining customers, Enterprise CX can help you create more customer value and drive business upside. Find out more at enterprisecx.io. Now let's go back to CX Insights. Too high because we wanted as many customers as possible to, to jump on board with this. And we, you know, it's been wildly successful. So not only has, have we seen, you know, almost 85, 90% uptick from our customers kind of taking this program. It's a differentiator for us in our space. A lot of our competitors don't offer this type of program. Customers do see the value right up front. It becomes a differentiator in the sales cycle. So customers love the fact that this is even available. They know that we're thinking about them, you know, beyond the services engagement and, you know, the participation in the program has been uh, really high as well. So we found, you know, it's been tremendously successful. We have a, a significant portion of our customer base that, you know, continues to, to leverage this program today. So 
that, mm-hmm. that's super cool and so do you do you like is the service a packaging of different types of these you know services together in a single offer so it sounds like it, there's some analytics there there is some advisory services and there is mm-hmm. basically taking care of the customer in key sort of areas that they're working on whether it's at pna and other maybe reporting in other places and as you as you created this packaging and you started offering to customers what happens in the sales cycle like do the do this your sales team does your sales team go out to the customer and say hey here's our let's say this is our software this is our SaaS offering and oh by the way would you like is it almost like would you like to have fries with that or <laughs> is, it, is it like more like oh you know what this is something that will really create value for you is it sold alongside the product or is it sold after the product is sold like we, you come in and say okay you know what you bought the product with us now, you know, you guys should really consider uh, getting this customer success offer. How, how does that sort of motion work for your company? Yeah, it's a bit of both. So because we had that, uh, you know, large customer base that had been with us for a long period of time, we did go into, you know, and, and offer this to the customer base as a alternative to in cases where they wanted to, you know, potentially invest in a project services project. You know, we offered this as an alternative if they were willing. And, and there is, you know, rules and, and guidelines around how you use the service. It comes with a dedicated CSM as well. And, you know, they, they guide our customers through kind of what's available and, and, and continue to drive value on using usage of the program. But it's actually been incredibly successful with net new customers. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when we do sell the software, like I said, w- one of the things we, we do is if customers are willing to subscribe to the, to the program and we typically sell three year uh, subscriptions, but we offer a one year subscription on, on the customer success program, partly because we, we know that that first year is so such an important year for our customers to onboard successfully and to make sure they're getting, you know, the value and, and feeling comfortable through the go live phase. But we found that customers see the value, you know, and, and continue to subscribe, but most customers net new really appreciate the fact that it's an option. And, you know, most like 85, 90% of uh, customers take us up on the offer and, and actually yeah, sign up absolutely. for it. Absolutely. And you know, yeah. it's great. It's a win, 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 uh, customers mm-hmm. get more value out of your software. They're super mm-hmm. happy. That your customer success team has the right PL and you know it, it's a more sustainable business model, then mm-hmm. you, your product teams are happier and your sales teams are happier because you're taking care of the customer and mm-hmm. there's stickiness there, even more stickiness than uh, on top of the product. So it's great. It's a win, win, win. You know, let me let me go back a little bit, Phil, and talk a little bit about some of your learnings. And you've been with Profix for some time. So what is some of, like, give me an example of the most, let's say, difficult thing that you had to learn or the most challenging thing or the thing that you would ask yourself, like, why are our customers doing that? Like, why are they behaving this way? Or like something that was so difficult to sort of understand, but eventually, of course, you got over it or your team got over it and you were successful. Give us give us a quick example of that. Jeez, I think, I think the most difficult part and it's you know there hasn't we haven't wrapped it, <laughs> wrapped it up uh, I would say at this point but I think is is kind of trusting in the process and so I 
liken this to kind of playing golf if, if any, any listeners are, are oh have played I don't want to golf. talk about my golf yeah. <laughs> it's like you do all of these things and it really requires you to pay attention to the little things and you know you could kind of be out there on a you know in a golf round and be playing as well as possible and all of a sudden you have a really tough hole because you, you struggled with the little things and it's a bit of a setback for you but if you kind of routinely put effort into those little things and continue to refine and improve them then you start you have these wins and you have those moments of glory like you would on the golf course from time to time and they keep you going and so really just trusting in the process and you know i think you kind of want to like when we first started with the customer success program i had this vision of where we would be three or four years down the road and i wanted to be there in year one and it's impossible to do so because there's so many other elements that require, you know, that need to be in place to, to successfully do customer success. You, I think when you first kind of get into the field, you think you're responsible for customer success, but you, you slowly start to realize that it's not a, a single department function. It's a organization wide philosophy and thought, thought process. And so, you know, just kind of checking myself at times of difficulties and wondering if we're doing the right things and, you know, wanting to accelerate certain things faster and faster and be, yeah. And that, that's probably been the toughest part, I would say. Oh, very cool, man. love the analogy, the golf analogy. And uh, <laughs> absolutely, this is trusting the process and working through that and making investments every day and learning. Totally agree. As we wrap up this episode, Phil, this has been tremendously helpful. If you were to share, share one piece of advice with the listener, what would that be? Yeah, other than trusting in the process, which I just mentioned, I think is, is super critical because you will get those outcomes and you will see the benefits of doing those little things right and continuing to improve. But I would say one other aspect that's really important is don't be afraid to go out and learn from others in this space. So customer success is a relatively new field and there are so many people out there who are who have experience who do things a certain way because of you know the service or product that they offer but they have nuggets of brilliance that they can share with you and i've found the customer success community be incredibly helpful and forthcoming with kind of sharing information and it's you know really important that you you do that because if you try to solve these problems on your own without actually having conversations with peers you know, in different industries and in similar industries, et cetera, then I think you're going to fall flat on your face. It's really, this is one of these places where you really want to do, you know, check, validate whether the things you're doing are, you know, the right things, learn on things that you can do to evolve the program. And that goes beyond just connecting with peers, but attending webinars and reading books. And it really helps you evolve as a true customer success professional. It's really important. I love it, Phil. Solid advice. Network with others, learn from others, keep learning, mm -hmm. iterate. Phil, for folks to follow you, what's the best way for them to do that? Twitter, LinkedIn, where, do you, where are you? I don't post a lot on Twitter, but you can find me on LinkedIn, Phil Gravel at, with the Profit Software in Toronto, Ontario. Outstanding. Phil, it was tremendous to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Abhijit. Have a great day. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us in this episode of CX Insights. If you found the show valuable, can I ask you to submit a review for the podcast or add a comment? I'd greatly appreciate it. 
If you'd like to feature a guest or dive into a particular topic, please email us at cxc at cxcommunity.org. Thank you for being a CX leader and for making a difference in the CX community.